Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and I've got with me Tim Hawk, the architect for Copper City Trails, here to talk about Copper City mountain biking adventures and advocacy in uh, southwest Montana. Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here. We're at uh, Wild Ride Distillery and got a little bit of ambience, and it's like 96 degrees out, but we're enjoying it. So, so Tim, can you give us a bit of the background? Where did this project come from? Well, here's a funny thing about that. It came from punk rock. Um, I grew up listening to punk rock in the 80s. Yeah, I'm old. That dates me. And one of the whole ethos of hardcore punk rock in the 80s, if there's something you want to see happen, do it yourself. Make it happen. All these bands booked their own tours, made their own records, started their own labels, and I was a big fan. And I was playing in bands, singing in bands, drumming and singing in punk bands in Billings, Montana in the 1980s. And uh, it stuck. And we decided we wanted to put on a punk show. So one day we we rented a hall. It was the uh, armory for the National Guard in Billings. We rented a stage. We rented a PA. We put on a show. A month later, we had Green Day. Billy Joe smoked all my weed and hit on all my gal pals. A week later, we had the RF Offspring. We put on a dozen shows in 1990 and then 1991. And it taught me that you can do it yourself. Anything you want to see happen, you can do it. You just have to put your mind to it. So fast forward, I've been mountain biking since 88. Um... I'm a huge fan of trails. I've explored all over, and I just love trails. <clears throat> and I'd been hanging out at Pipestone quite a bit, which is on the east side of Home State Pass by Butte, Montana. And it's a batholith, which is an old volcanic magma bubble that came up under the ground and cooled down. And as the dirt eroded off the top of it, it left a lot of giant granite boulders. Now... As that eroded, a lot of these boulders are really big and round and rideable if there was a trail. And hanging out there as much as I did, I decided it'd be really fun to ride over a bunch of these rocks. And near one of our most popular camps was all these big rounded over rocks, and I wanted to ride my bike in between them. So one day I took a rock, a rake, and kind of raked a path between a lot of these boulders and there was an elk carcass that was all boned out and bleached out and I took all the bones from that carcass and used them to line the trail and stat them as cairns on the rocks so you would know where to go and my friends would know where to go when we camped there so it became the bones trail well that was fun but then I kept going it got longer and I bought a McLeod, I bought a Pulaski, I bought shovels. And in about three years, I had dug five plus miles of single track that was completely illegal, federal crime, wrong. And I was clearly having way too much fun doing this. But I knew that, and it crossed two jurisdictions. It was on BLM and Forest Service property. And if they found it, they were going to chop down trees cover it with downfall and that would be it and I was hundreds of hours into this idea and passion I'm like alright 
I clearly like this. If I'm going to do this, I need to go legit. So I found a different spot. It was called Lone Mountain. It's up by Raidersburg. It's a couple sections of BLM that has the same big rounded over boulders. And it's a spectacularly beautiful and kind of a magical spot. Like, it, you find, I find myself walking around this place very slowly, tiptoeing with kind of a reverence. It's, it's just kind of a spiritual spot. And so I mapped out some trails and I used Google Slideshow, Google Maps, and made a little presentation and literally sent it off to the BLM like hey I've got an idea and I didn't hear anything for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden I get an email back that was like wow who are you this is an amazing idea I I can't believe this and they called me and they're like yeah we, we usually we get like a one line email or a one line call on the phone you've got a plan and I'm like yeah this is an amazing spot it'd be great for trails and they're like well I love this Let's let's do this and I was like well, okay, let's let's press forward with this idea. I knew there was going to be a lot of hurdles. But that would have been back 2008 or so, and the BLM got sequestered. They lost all funding, and they had to kind of hold off. So I was so high on my idea that I threw out another idea over by Whitehall, Doherty Mountain, where I was going to let the Golden Sunlight Mine let me... I asked the Golden Sunlight Mine to let me use some of their property that backed up to BLM land. And that plan called for 40 miles of trails on crazy terrain. And thank God I didn't get it because I was... I had no idea what I, I was in for. I really didn't. I just was full of crazy ideas and driven. Uh... That idea got shut down by one of the higher-ups in the mine who wanted to put bighorn sheep up there to shoot and screw to the wall, so that got put down. And the BLM was really bummed about that. They loved the idea of a public-private partnership. They thought this was going to be amazing, and I did too, but it's kind of a blessing. I, I was not ready for anything that big. Meanwhile... The There was a small ragtag group of mountain bikers in Bozeman that had formed a group called the Dirt Concern of the Gallatin Valley Bicycle Club. And that was the first mountain bike advocacy group in Bozeman. We were not a 501c3, which is important because then you can ask for grants. And you just get a little more clout. That means you had a lawyer get involved. Um the BLM decided once that fell through they would go back to my Lone Mountain idea up by Raidersburg two days later I got a call from the field archaeologist for the BLM at the field office in Butte who informed me that four tribes still hold ceremony up there at sacred ground and I immediately pulled the idea I have to respect that I'm not going to go dig holes in someone's church. And she very much appreciated that. She knew that I had also brought up Copper City as an idea. And she told me she had no major issues with that. So the Federal Bureau of Land Management gave me six months to put up a proposal. 
Now, meanwhile, I had uh, been befriending the Bureau of Land Management. They kind of had their hands full at uh, Pipestone with all the motorized traffic. And there was a group forming called Friends of Pipestone, and I became the vice president of Friends of Pipestone. And I would show up with the crews and do lots of trail work and show them that I knew what I was talking about. I knew how to build a trail and that I meant what I was talking about. I could do it. So I had gained some trust and some respect from the Bureau of Land Management. And look, say what you want about the government. Honestly, these people are just like us. You know, they go home and change diapers. They just want to have a beer, but they got to mow their lawn. You know, (laughs) you can think the government is some giant entity that has their fingers in everything, but no, they're just regular people. They really are. They're, and a lot of them are really good people. And so the Copper City idea came up, and they're like, all right, Tim, well, we're about to do our uh, travel management plan for Broadwater County, which involves Copper City. So you got like six months, give me a proposal, and I'm like, that's barely enough time. I mean... My Lone Mountain proposal, I spent over six months getting ready to send them. They're like, well, just do what you can. A week later, I got a call and said, sorry, you got six weeks. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, put you, I can't get you a legitimate, thought-out proposal in six weeks. They're just like, just give us whatever you can, you know. So I literally had to go on Google Maps, which used to let you draw on Google Maps, And I scribbled out some lines between Google Earth and Google Maps. I was like, well, this seems like a good idea. When I really hadn't ground truthed hardly any of it. Now, I had ridden out there. First time I rode out there was New Year's Day, probably 1996, 97. I saw there was a chunk of BLM out there and... I went to check it out. It looked dry, and sure enough, it was New Year's Day. There was a quarter inch of snow on frozen ground, and I rode all day. It was amazing. So I made a quick proposal. They liked it. And then all the fun began because there's so many hoops to jump through with the government. Um, You need letters of support. And this kind of cracks me up once again because... There's so many mountain bikers around here, but it's so hard to get them motivated. I got a record amount of letters of support. 200. 200 people wrote letters of support that. And that was enough to blow the BLM away. There were three letters of dissent. (laughs) And I had a hard task in front of me because Copper City was owned by target shooters. And... I target shoot. I'm Montana boy, born and raised here. I got a 22 rifle, 22 pistol. I love target shooting, but people were blowing up TVs, propane tanks, all kinds of crazy crap. And the last thing I wanted was a bunch of spandex wearing Bozeman hippies out there riding mountain bikes. Now, this was the time where the Bundys down in Arizona were throwing quite a fit and the second amendment crowd was pretty pissed off at the Bureau of Land Management so they wanted nothing to do with it 
and they put me in charge of talking to all the shooters out there. Now, understand this is not an organized group of shooters. This is a bunch of random people going out there to shoot stuff. So I literally had to go out there and walk around from shooter to shooter with my finest, nastiest Carhartt jacket on and my English set of bird dog, which gives you a lot of cred. And I would also approach with the, hey, I'm gun training my dog. Can we sit here for a minute while you shoot? And they're like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah, you know? And then, then I'd have to slip into the, well, by the way, I got kind of a plan out here and here's what I'm up to. Now, people were shooting all directions. It was absolutely unsafe out there. It was kind of World War III out there, honestly. It was. It had gotten to the point where I was afraid to shoot out there because there were people set up everywhere shooting different directions. And, I mean, it was really out of control. So a lot of them liked the idea, and I assured them that the BLM nor I had any intention of shutting down shooting out there. I shoot out here. I still want people to shoot out here. I'd love to create an official shooting spot. It's illegal to shoot across a road. So I built the trails around all the roads and left the roadless areas for people to shoot. Now, I got a lot of flack. I did. There was a lot of talking people down, but I did it Montana style where you sit down over the beer. Well, let's go, let's go meet and have a beer and talk about this. And at the, by the end, I'd say 90, 95% of them were like, okay, you got a good idea, and that's okay, as long as I can still shoot, great. I even teamed up with the local chapter of the Safari Club International, which I like to target shoot, but I'm not going to go shoot an elephant. I'm not going to screw a giraffe to the wall. But they decided to do a big cleanup day out there as kind of a, hey, let's show that we love this area too. So I joined them, and they didn't shoot me and bury me in the dirt out there um it was tricky we had a lot of talks um they were not thrilled but in the end i got a lot of letters of support the blm was behind the idea um they respected me they respected my passion they respected the idea they loved the idea and between community meetings and Three Forks and Bozeman and the whole area and letters of support and environmental impact statements and assessments, I finally got a green light in uh, January of, oh God, what was it? All right, 20, 20, I want to say it would have been 2016 or 17, I got the green light. And in the meantime, the dirt concern of the Gallatin Valley Bike Club had kind of fallen apart. People had kids. People moved away. And I can't do a project like that. It's just Tim Hawk. I need a group, and I need a 501c3 so you can apply for grants. So me and some friends got together, got a bunch of other interested parties together and formed Southwest Montana Mountain Bike Association. And it was the quickest, most efficient meeting we've ever had. I went around the room like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And one was like, well, I've taken leadership courses and I program computers. All right, you run it. You know, 
end of discussion. You're the president. How should we run it? And he had all kinds of ideas like, okay, you, you're the vice president. And I'm like, I don't want to be on the board. I've been doing forest service meetings for a year. I've been doing trail work days at Lewis and Clark Caverns for five years. I've been doing all this other stuff. I need to focus. I need to be all about this. I don't have time for board meetings. I don't have time for anything else. And Swimba's become incredible. They they hit the ground rolling, and I'm shocked how far we have come in five years, six years. Forgive me, I'm losing track of time. I'm old, but... Uh, this was about six months before I had a green light. And I was like, all right, do what you got to do. But when I get the green light, you know, circle the wagons, let's do this. And they did. They did. So we pulled off the first year with nothing but donated money and donated materials and donated time. Um even down to the uh, Montana conservation crew that got snowed out of a job. And my cousin happened to run this conservation crew and they were paid for. He's like, Hey, you want them? And again, these gals were, it was a all gal crew. Like we've never seen such a community based trail system. This is amazing. And like Kenya Noble, Ace Hardware, Owen house, um, three forks lumber yard, three forks concrete, like, I could literally go into any of these shops, Murdoch's, and just say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Can you give me some Pulaski's and McClaws? Can you give me 10 yards of concrete? Can I get some signposts? Can I get this? Can I get that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. And they did. Like, everybody threw down. And volunteer labor, like, it shocks me. When you come up with a good idea, people will get behind it. They will really get behind it. And the whole project was like that. By year two, we were writing grants, even though we didn't really know what we were doing. We were writing grants. And the big one is an RTP grant, Recreational Trails Program grant, that is paid for through gas taxes, Montana RTP. Now, the first time you apply for that, you're lucky if they give you the little small $40,000 grant. Their highest one was 90 at that point anyway. Our first year we got the $90,000 grant. First time. Second year we got a $110,000 grant. REI was throwing down money. REI gave us like eight grand the first year, more the second year. Like all kinds of companies and people were just throwing money at this good idea. And I mean, I'm doing presentations at Matt Brewing at REI. I'm like, here's my slide. I, Google, Google owes me money. Google slideshow, Google presentation. I'd, I'd throw it all over town and tell people, this is gonna happen. I got a green light. We're gonna do this. Help us out. And I got people psyched up. I got a lot of people really psyched and into the idea, you know. And. It was a massive, massive ordeal. It about broke me physically, mentally, and emotionally. I had 5,000 hours of my spare time. I worked part-time for three years, um, scraping by. My neighbors were giving me food. <laughs> you know, people buy me beer, you know, but I was, I'm OCD enough 
I have a good grab, grasp on my OCD. I, I direct it well. I don't do shit half-assed. If I was going to build Copper City, I wanted to be the best trails, the best trailhead. I wanted to be full on, you know, and what really took me the longest time is flagging the trails, going around with little pink survey flags, putting them in the ground. And it's trickier than it sounds when you, when you look at a giant blank canvas of land, you're like, where do I want a trail? You know? So my thought was to identify the, the, the anchors that I call them, the, the, the really cool spots. Here's a giant rock pile with a little water puddle for the dogs. Gotta go there. You know, here's a most amazing ancient bonsai looking juniper. Gotta go there. So then you got to connect that, you know? And it's really tricky. And then once you get a rough idea in, then you spend weeks going back and forth, adjusting flags for flow. You got to make sure a corner doesn't, the radius doesn't get sharper at the end. You want a sharper radius at the beginning of the corner. You want it to let out towards the end. That gives you better flow. So I do all that and then I get a bunch of other eyes on it and, you know, have everybody look at it and... Then we hired B.O. Trails for the majority of it. Um, Grant Best is amazing. And he went above and beyond for us on this. He's cheap. He's amazing. He built every trail up there except for the bottom of uh, Never Sweat, the downhill trail. It was P. Costain, um, who does all the trails at the club, and Big Sky. And yeah, and Pete's amazing. But he's insanely expensive. I mean, it was, what, I, I don't remember, sixteen or $18,000 just for the bottom half of Never Sweat, which was almost the first downhill-only trail on public lands in Montana. Uh, Snowball had somebody in Missoula built a quarter-mile dual solemn course to beat us, like, a couple of months, but... And look, I don't care. I was trying to be the first or the best or anything. I just, I just wanted to be good. I just wanted to be really good, you know. And Grant did an absolutely amazing job. He went above and beyond for us. Like, not only was he making cairns for the trail, he'd make them in an arch. He would stack rocks in an arch. Like, he pretty much lived out there for the three years we did this, and he absolutely killed it. But me on my own, I had as near as I could tell, about 5,000 volunteers on it. And half of that is endless, boring meetings and typing. That's how you build trails. Endless, boring meetings and typing. You know what I hate? Endless, boring meetings and typing. I just wanted to flag trails and dig trails, you know. But we opened up on National Public Lands Day in... I want to say it was 2016. I, I might be wrong on that. Time's getting crazy on me. It was 16 or 17. And I had 130 volunteers show up. It was unbelievable. We ran out of tools. We just gave people garbage bags to pick up bullet shells. It was unreal. And we had the mayor of Three Forks, Broadwater County Commissioners, the heads of the BLM, everything. We cut the tape on that first loop and... 20 little kids took off down the trail and it made me so happy because I kind of I wanted to make trails for everyone because I know damn well that I am 
perfectly content to shoulder my bike up a bunch of rocks and skid half the way down, but there's plenty of that. We needed some beginners, some intermediate, some kid-friendly trails. And that Green Eagle Trail, the first loop, a friend of mine's four-year-old daughter did that on a scooter bike, no pedals, balance bike. I've seen 70-year-old people out there on cruiser bikes, foam camo, baseball hats do that loop. And you know what? I still like riding it. I think it's the greatest all-around fun-for-everyone trail around. I really did. I really do. It, it, it hits all the fun spots. There's little side trails over big rocks. It, I just love it. And as it got further back, it got trickier and crazier and unbelievable terrain that I would have to, you know, leave work at 3 o'clock, get out there and hike till dark just to figure out if we could e- even get a mini track hoe through there. You know, I mean, it was crazy. And, and, so for a living, my main job is custom finish work. I make wood pretty for millionaires. Um, Homes in Jackson Hole and Yellowstone Club. So when it came to the amenities, like the signs, the outhouse, picnic tables, I wanted it. I wanted to apply all that to it. And for anyone who hasn't been out there, you got to go look. It's the prettiest trailhead in the West. <laughs> the... The outhouse is a old mining shed. Oh, I should back up for a minute. So, Copper City is an old mining ghost town. There is a ghost town up there. It's got quite a history. Uh, Indians were mining chert up there for tools and spearheads for 3,000 years. Um, there's been several fairly but not very protective mines up there. At one point, one of the Copper Kings from uh, Butte had a horse ranch out there. Um, there's quite a bit of history out there. I wanted to play off that. So I played off the old mining theme. All the trails are named after old regional mines because um, there's so many great mine names around here from Merry Widow to Never Sweat to um, uh, all of them. They're old actual mine names from the region. And so... The outhouse looks like an old tool shed. It's rusty metal and barn wood, and we made it look kind of old-timey. I still want to hang a bunch of old tools on it. Uh, it clearly became obvious that I needed a bunch of picnic tables because everybody was hanging out afterward, and I was like, well, instead of picnic tables scattered everywhere, let's build community. Let's have... What I wanted was one 50-foot-long picnic table. <laughs> So everybody had to sit together. So what we got was four 12-foot long penny tables. And my shop did them. Custom welded aluminum bases, custom built tops. Chris Lowe's of Lowe's Construction donated $60,000 with the reclaimed lumber for the shade shelter and the penny tables. I, we donated all our time. Those penny tables are five grand a piece for free. That shade shelter is all reclaimed oak it's absolutely beautiful i mean it's gorgeous the the pump track skills park is cost more than most of the cars in the parking lot and we get a deal on that everybody everybody threw down for it everybody got involved and everybody gave their best everybody did the best they could to make it the best place out there 
And I really didn't realize until about year two into it, the monster I'd created. We had a parking lot. We had to quintuple it within a couple years. It's still not big enough. <laughs> but that's awesome. Build it and they will come. There's people from Canada. I told, I told the BLM that my goal was for people from Fruita, Colorado to come ride Copper City because I'd spent a lot of time driving down to Fruita, Colorado. And one day my BLM guy and I were out there meeting with the Gallant National Forest people because they've been getting some flack. They're like, look at this. Why aren't you doing this? And the Forest Service is like, well, how did you do this? And the BLM was like, well, let's go beat out there and we can talk about it, you know? And so we did, you know, we talked about it. And, you know, I, I had to tell them, look, you don't do this. You're the government. Everybody hates you, and I'm sorry, but it's the truth. You know, I don't have to tell you how much flack you take on a daily basis for, why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? Why are you doing this? Why'd you shut down that? You know, all you got to do is get... Give us a green light. Give Swim to the green light. Let us plan it. Let us do it. We'll raise the funds. We'll get it done. Give us the green light. Punk rock DIY. And while we were all sitting there, a couple of bikers rode up and rode over their car that had Colorado plates. I was like, hey, where are you guys from? They're like, we're from Fruita. This place is awesome. <laughs> I looked toward my BLM guy and he just held his hand up. High five, yep. Yep. So, in the end, it, it, it's shocking, but it's amazing. And I, I'm very proud, but if anything, I want this to inspire people. I want people to know that you can do this. Because, literally, I'm, I'm a woodworker who likes trails, you know, and I'm, I'm passionate I mean, it's a little unnerving for me because people seem to like be putting me on a pedestal and I don't I don't have the ego for it like I run into some of the liquor store and they buy my stuff for me I'm like oh thanks man alright cool or I'm, I'm in the hospital last summer getting a toe chopped off everybody knows who I am and they took good care of me you know like cool thank you but like you can do this Anyone can do this. You just got to put your heart into it. Get a group together of like-minded people with a great idea and do it punk rock style. Do it yourself, but do it right. Go no, don't go building illegal trails because they're doomed. They're doomed and it makes us look like it is. It doesn't help. It hurts the cause. Do it right. Get involved with the group. Get a plan together. Get everybody excited about that plan. And do it, and that's how you get it done. Yeah. So that's how Copper City happened. And there, there you heard it from the horse's mouth, Tim Hawk, uh, talking about just go do it. So thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Copper City Trails, check out the Swimbit website for volunteer opportunities. And until next time, happy trails.